here on Friday, October 14th. Already halfway over almost. But in God's country, boom, here we are. Love it. It's been a good show. We've got uh, Mr. John Harvey. What's up? What's up? What's up, my Nizzo? <laughs> All I gotta do is throw it to John Harvey. He'll say something questionably inappropriate. Actually, get us banned. Make us all laugh. We love it, dude. But you keep forgetting, Jason. What you, am I forgetting, dude? I've known you for over a year and a half now. We've been friends. Yes. You keep forgetting I'm black. <laughs> I can say anything you, I want. You, you definitely. You, that's the reality. You 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 got you got a card there. So we have uh, Tommy Stevenson here, been uh, tearing it up with BYU conservatives. It's been awesome. I, it's you know again, we got these young people here because we know that we know this country is going to get saved, and we know it's going to be the young people who are going to do it. And uh, I firmly believe that some of our young people that are here in Utah will be some of the greatest leaders in this upcoming revolution to restore this constitution and the revolution is not necessarily <coughs> a war it's just activation that's right so it's for all you people out there and there's one person in particular i say this all the time he's gonna say oh they're talking about a revolution oh yeah we're talking about revolution you know? yeah and there's so many but, types but, of revolutions uh, but peaceful exactly activation that's right it's it's called standing up and, and exactly. restoring our god-given rights restoring exactly this country to what it's meant to be. And it's going to be these young people. It is. So it's 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 awesome, you know, being able to, to associate with you Wait guys. Wait a minute, you said young people. Oh, that's me too. My bad. <laughs> oh, right, right, you're, right. You're, you're right, we're cool. You're just a oh, dirty right. old dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's me too, right? <laughs> but we got Braden Moffitt in the house too. Braden, we're glad to have you. Braden, you know, and I'm going to tell you one thing is, is that, you know, Braden, where we met Braden at is we met him at, uh, it was... Clan rattling, close. <laughs> it, it was it was, was a the second time. <laughs> it was a political action. Um, what, what would you call Training. that? Training. It was a what was it? Fackle. Mm -hmm. It was it was Fackle, which is it's a, it's a guy that uh, flies in. He's Kirk Shelley, and he trains conservatives how to take power back, how to how to take power from the establishment, and. Uh, he stands up, and I've got a bunch of guys with us from We Are the People, and he stands up in the front row, and he's, he's like, hey, I'm young. I'm, I'm just a young person, and I just realized we got to stand up, and then the young people have to play a role in this. And I'm like, dang, we got to get that guy. So, mm -hmm. so, he's, so yeah, we're glad to have Brayden here with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So <clears throat> we was talking about bullying, and uh, Brayden, you said, I got some thoughts on that when we come back. What, what are your thoughts on bullying? Okay, let me tell you my story super quick. Tell us right? your story. And I said bring back bullying, and I mean that. So when I was in uh, third grade, my parents got divorced. So life was hard for me. Mm -hmm. I understood everything that was going on. I, I remember it all clearly. Um, I went to live with my mom, and she was working a lot. She wasn't really home to take care of me. So I was that one kid at school that smelled bad because he didn't shower. He didn't brush his teeth. He looked like a slob. Uh, I, I didn't really have a parent taking care of me, right? So I, I was just this... This kid who didn't know how to act appropriately, he was crazy, he would talk in class, and again, he was gross. And I was bullied because of it, right? And so today they'd be like, you don't know what he's going through, you need to be nice to him. Right. You need to not tell him the truth, like you need to tell him things that will make him feel good, right? But I was bullied that I smelled bad, and that I dressed poorly, and things like that. And now, I'm a completely different person because of what 
I was taught through those lessons of people being mean to me. I started to take showers. I started to brush my teeth. I started to care about what I wore. And today, I people like my friends tell me, you always dress nice. You always smell good, right? I can only attribute that to the fact that I was bullied. And, and you know, I, you I wasn't thrown in the gutter and beat up, right? But I was, I was an outcast. I was verbally uh, bullied. And, and that's okay because it's made me who I am today. And you have a different experience with bullying um, or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Racism. Um, so it, it, bullying to a certain degree should happen. I think it's part of growing and up. And you're right. It's part of being a boy or a female. It's part of being, you know, who we are as a species. You know, you're going to have those people who try to dominate you, but yet there's no need for you to try to resist being dominated, whether it's slapping them, whether it's kicking their butts, or whether it's saying, hey, pal, don't do that, you know. But you have a right to fight back. And so when, you, when you're being bullied, nowadays they're telling the kids to, you know, stand down. That's not what men do. That's not what men do. It's not what leaders do either. Nope. Interesting. That's not what men do. We're pre- we are in the position we are as mammals because we can think on our own. You know, yes, a lion can kill us. But yet we also know how to kill a lion. And we are the weaker species. But we are the smarter you, you of know the what, two. You know what happens when we take bullying away? Everything that's happening today. Uh, including exactly. including the craziness of things like furries. People who genuinely <laughs> believe that they're animals. <laughs> and if you don't acknowledge them as animals, yeah, then God. you are a bad person. We, we, we get uh, a hole isn't an animal, is it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's... <laughs> I wouldn't say it's like... Bullying per se, like getting shoved in lockers. It's more so like you have to know the truth about your situation, and someone has to tell you. And I wouldn't go advocate for like some kid to go bully some other guy, but I would say, like, if I would help teach kids who are friends with, like, say, you when you were in grade school, like, you should go tell that kid, hey maybe shape up a little bit <laughs> and and because we all get socially conditioned somewhat by our peers and if we go say something that's i mean this is this is what happens all the time with cancel culture now and and cancel culture is like the exact opposite of what the truth should be because it's like it's saying that you're racist when you're i mean some people might be racist but a lot of people who get canceled aren't actually but it's all this social conditioning saying, this is bringing it back to bullying. It's saying, hey, you should shape up. Hey, you should do better. Because this behavior that you're doing isn't normal. And if you want to be in, like, if you want to be a part of the group in society, you have to act a certain way. And that's good to a degree, but also you don't want to just have everyone conform to the same way. Sure. I think one of the things that we've become obsessed with in our society is this idea of self self-esteem mm-hmm. the self-esteem movement um <clears throat> that you're okay the way you are that everything's okay and that you're a first place person and ev- everyone gets a trophy and and uh, everybody's you know everybody's accepted and everybody and, and there's obviously some good to that right but the problem is is 
we have a society. It's we've created a society of very weak people. Well, it's mostly. I'm listening to you guys talk. I come from a black culture. My culture isn't is this way. We don't talk about bullying. Maybe that's why we're supposed to. I mean, quote unquote, aggressive. We don't talk about a bullying. We don't try to tell our children, you know, soften up, be a marshmallow, be a powder puff. And if you notice, there's a reason why. I mean, in my own culture, it's black on black crime. Nobody's trying to, you know, play the sensitive, sensitive uh, role model. For example, when I grew up as a kid, let's say, for example, I walk up to a group of guys, guys, leave them alone. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> You're getting jumped. Guess what? <laughs> you got yourself and got yourself on something that you might not wish you said, dude, just tear him up. But you know what? You get your ass beat. <clears throat> Jordan Peterson says men should be dangerous. They should be dangerous. It's a, he says it's important to be dangerous. And Such I think it's control. important to, to train our kids to be dangerous. And I think, you know, the same principles that apply to <clears throat> individuals apply to nations. A nation that is not, does not have the power to be dangerous is a nation that will be swept away and dominated. It's Teddy Roosevelt, speak softly and carry a yes, stick. Yes, yes. Monroe Doctor. <clears throat> Kids that don't learn to be dangerous end up getting bullied. They end up getting dominated. They, they end up... They end up becoming the ones who carry the, so much hate and anger and, and, and bitterness because of their constantly bullied that they end up acting out and doing the shootings. It is important that kids and that as men, we learn to be dangerous. And, and then importantly, more importantly, or just as importantly, then learn to control that danger, to control our ability to commit violence. The world needs men who are capable of creating of, of violence men who are capable of defending their family, defending themselves, but then have the self-restraint. And, and that's one of the ultimate definitions of a man is someone who is in control of his emotions, his control, and, his, and himself. But that's the balance. Mm -hmm. Someone who is dangerous and who can protect himself and those around him, yet has the power of self-restraint. And when that's play, what we lack. When I played football in high school, I wasn't the biggest guy. <clears throat> there was guys a lot bigger than me. Now, I went to a school. There was, on my football team, there was probably four black guys, maybe five. Where did you grow up, by the way? Uh, Goldsboro, North Carolina. And uh, I wasn't the biggest guy on my team. And, and at my school, it was a good old boy school. And you had your rednecks and stuff that who thought they wanted to test you. The reason why no one really tested me, because I wasn't going to take it. When we were playing football, and if I feel like, if I didn't like you, or I think you're trying to intimidate me, when I'm carrying the ball, I'm going to try to punish you. And what that does is keeps bullies off of you. See, when you carry yourself as weak, spineless, that's who the bully goes for. Go, and, I t and I attribute that to weak-minded parents. Because bullies don't pick on people that can whoop their ass. That's right. Mm -hmm. You want to know a perfect example? A fly versus a bee. You see a fly, you'll kill it. You don't, no problem. Mm -hmm. No fear of a fly. A bee is so small, so small, and, and relatively harmless, right? What, I mean, really, what can it, how much of a wound can it really inflict upon you? Pretty minimal. But 
because we know it might sting us, we don't mess with it. And we, tra we train our kids to be flies. We don't train them to be bees. Even, even if they might be the smaller kid, no one's going to pick on a smaller kid if they know that smaller kid's going to unleash hell on them and give everything he can to defend himself. They'll learn real quick to leave that little kid alone, but they will attack the kid who whimpers and cowers because his parents never taught him to stand up and be dangerous. And, and, and I 100% agree with that because I get so sick and tired of, you know, when you know parents have to come and save their child from the bullet. Maybe that child has to get a black eye. Yeah. Scrapping. But you know what? He was scrapping. And, 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 here, and, and, and bringing it full circle, we, we live in a day and a time now where, we ha where words hurt us where we're so afraid of getting hurt that we need to be protected from even, we need uh -uh. safe spaces in our schools, safe spaces. We're so afraid of, you know, saying the wrong word and, and, and offending anybody or being offended that, that we need these, that we are put, raising kids to be in bubbles. And the problem with that is when you have a society of boys, and I will call it boys, that are that weak, weak men create hard times. This, this generation of young men, and I'm going to say young men, will lead to some of the most difficult times this world's ever seen because weak men cannot protect themselves. They cannot protect those around them, and they will beg for a tyrant to protect them and keep them safe. And I don't, I mean, I don't promote uh, <clears throat> going around and, you know, causing starting fights and stuff to prove a point. But my whole point to this conversation, for me at least, is we've got to get back to teaching our boys to be boys. They're going to get in trouble. They're going to fall out of trees and break their arms. You know, they're going to get their butts kicked. Mom and dad, dad needs to say, dude, you better not ever run from a fight. And, and dads need to stop letting the mothers be so obsessed about child children's safety that they don't let them leave the house. They don't let them ride a bike without a helmet and knee pads and elbow pads and, and, and face pads. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, I see these kids riding around on scooters and, and they're decked to the nines. Like, I was like, I used to race downhill mountain bikes and wear less gear than that kid. Mm -hmm. And this kid's riding on the sidewalk. It's like, we, we are raising, and this is, and this, this, is, this is, uh, is an example of an over-feminized society where there's not enough masculinity because that's the role of the father is to teach the kid to be tough, to teach the kid to fall down, break, you know, you broke your knee, you scraped your elbow, get up and go again. And we have a society that says, you fell down, who, oh, you're going to, you know, what are we going to do to protect you? You poor thing, you know, lawsuits and this and that, and don't ever ride a bike again. We are creating weak, a weak society. I mean, when I was a kid and my dad would whoop my butt and then he would break a bone or something, he just put it back together with duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, all right, we, all right, we don't even, we don't even spank our kids anymore. No, I'm just, you know what I mean? Right. But this is an example of how far the extreme we've gone. And not that I'm saying we need to spank our kids. I think there's, there's better ways to do it, but it's an example. We have gone so soft as a society that we are creating very weak individuals and a very weak society. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's absolutely true. What you guys thoughts on this old guys talking about our history? <laughs> I, I love it all. I, I, I definitely agree that society is def has become weaker. Like that's that's why Peterson is so huge. It's because there's a void that's being filled by his presence, and he t he's talked about this in different podcasts. It's like he's not part of people's family. He's this distant figure on YouTube who's becoming this father figure for millions of 
young men. And there's a void there that he's filling. And because of that, or there's a void there and there has to be an explanation for the void. Because he wouldn't have become famous otherwise. And what is the explanation? It's that we have become weak and people haven't been taught to be responsible for themselves. Well, that's just it. There's a big difference between teaching personal responsibility and then group obedience. Mm -hmm. So stop bullying versus if you're bullied, stand up for yourself. Exactly. Oh, okay. I like that. I think we're not taught enough responsibility personally. We're Mm -hmm. taught just obey as the group, right? If we all do this together, we can all make this happen. If we all stay inside for two weeks, COVID will go away. Mm. Instead of, how about if you're afraid of getting sick, you can go get a vaccine. If you're not afraid of it, you don't have to. I mean, which, which way would we really prefer? Now, the second one is, is personal responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. You take charge of your own life. And you need to be ready for any situation because there's going to be people that will wrong you. There's going to be people who will shove you in a locker for no reason. But next time they try and they get a sock in the mouth... They're, they're going to be hesitant to do it to you exactly. again. Just like the bee in the fly, right? So if we talk more personal responsibility versus uh, the, the group obedience, and that's in a school sense, that's in a government sense, I think, I think it would create more good times because everyone, everyone will act according to what their personal responsibility is. I love it. I'm going to start it. a new organization now. I'm Fight Club? No. <laughs> Not Alpha Nation. That's what I like. We just need an alpha nation. We just need a country of men, not narcissists, not egomatics, just a strong, conservative men. True alphas. True alphas. You take care of your family. You raise your kids. You go to work, and you believe, and you represent freedom, liberty, happiness, God, family, and, uh, and AR-15s. <laughs> yeah, I like the way that just yeah. all rolled. <laughs> you guys uh, might not want to come back on now when I'm on, huh, right? I want to sign up. <laughs> Let me know when that's ready. <laughs> but Alpha Nation and, me, and, and men need not be afraid to be alphas. Because when you're doing it the right way, you earn that title as an alpha. And your woman will appreciate you a lot more. Trust me. They will appreciate you a lot more because they know they're with a man through thick and thin. He's going to take care of her, the children, the household. He's going to protect them with his life because that's what alphas are supposed to do. Yeah. You know, it it ain't about just buying a side-by-side and forget about your responsibility because you want to go ride out in the desert. Your yeah, first priority and, and is your family. And it's not about just going to the gym and looking shredded or having a beer. Uh, yeah, I know. I can't help that. But, you know, that's just a habit of mine. I'm working on it, though. <laughs> but uh, but I, I do think that there is that there is a really – we have lost as a society what it means to be a man, and we've lost as a society truly what it means to be a woman. And and it actually shows when the fact that you can't ask someone what a man or a woman is, and most people can't even tell you. Exactly. Well, which I mean, woman? I mean, I mean, there's look, so many look, now. Look, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like we, like there's there is obvious truth. You know, men men, men can't have babies. You know, men. You know, women ha- women can have babies. There's the chromosome. There's that's obvious, right? But the but what does it mean to be a man? Like, what does it mean to to be a man as a father, as a, as a husband, as a, as an alpha? What is that? Be, uh, society doesn't know that. 
we, we, we are losing it as a society. And I think <clears throat> it's a tragedy because, if, it, because to me, it, it, without strong men, no nation can survive. Every, every nation collapses on the back of the men. <clears throat> and men shouldn't be necessarily defined. Our country shouldn't be necessarily defined by the men in the military. Do you want to know what I think one of the true definitions of a man is right now? Of if, if we were to say who is one of the best examples of a man, what it means to be a man, you, do you know who I'd actually say it is? Um, who? RuPaul. Ron DeSantis. Jordan Peterson. How? Wh why? Right. Because how many people say they see him as a father, father, father. figure? Because that is what society is looking for, is the masculine, that masculine energy. And what is the ultimate masculine energy? It is when things fall apart, it is order, it is structure, it is direction, it is pick up. When you fall down, pick up. That's what he's teaching. He is teaching masculinity. And, you know, you got some of these men out there saying, here's what it means to be a man. It means, you know, you go out, you make this kind of money. It means you go out and, you, you know, you, you lift, you, you, you look this way. You got a big beard. You, you, you boss people around. You're in control. You, you know, you're, you're, you know you, it's the military type. I'm, uh, you look what, who the, one of the, Jordan Peterson has really em, embodied the masculine, the masculine energy. And I'll tell you, the nation is starving, the, especially young men, for that masculine energy mm -hmm. and but we don't have but we fail to see that's that's alpha energy and for me as a so-called alpha they say i the they reason say. they <laughs> say um for me i believe the way i carry myself i don't care myself for anybody else you know when i'm speaking on stage in events there's a reason why i don't wear a suit and tie because i'm doing it for somebody else i don't want to wear one so I'm not going to wear one. I don't care if you like it or not. That's just not me. Yeah. Baseball cap, boots, and jeans. That's me. And it changes for nobody. I like it. It changes for nobody. Sounds like personal responsibility. That's who I am. Including having a reason for what you're doing. If yeah. someone says, why aren't you wearing a suit? You have a reason. You're personally responsible. And it's, and it's my reasoning. I do not live on this planet for anybody else other than my children and my God. That's it. I love it. I love it. <clears throat> so call me a hillbilly all you want. I'll take it. <laughs> well, I love it. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I'm thankful again to have, uh, you know, you guys here with us. And, and honestly, just sitting here with you guys and hearing your thoughts and hearing where you stand, I will tell you, people who are concerned about the next generation, all they need to do is spend some time with people like you guys. Because when you start to see, see, there's duality in everything. And to, to, to night, there's day. To light, there's dark. And what, when, while we have, may have some of the most liberal and gone off the, off the cliff youth this world's ever seen right now, I mean, kids who don't even know their gender, they don't even know the uh, truth from up or down, the counter to that is a small number of young men and women who are some of the, I believe, some of the strongest young men and women this, this, this earth probably seen. That's what's exciting to me. That's why I believe it's going to be these young, this group of young people is going to turn things around in this country. But we, we've just got to get more activated. We've got to get the young people to come out in droves. So how do we do that? It's the culture. 
Is it? Yeah, it's I agree. Not taxes, and it's not easy either, though. For some it's reason, not easy, it's not easy to get the youngsters triggered, and I I haven't really figured out why. You know, I've met, dude. I'm. I tell you, who has a really, 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 uh, really grounded kid? She used to work for you, Katie's daughter. Oh yeah, she's awesome, dude. Lily. Yeah, that little girl, I love her to death. She'll come up and talk to me and. And she knows all this stuff. I'm thinking, damn, she knows more than I do. Yeah, she does. <laughs> wow. But that's where I, I want our kids to be. You know, the first time I met her, <clears throat> I, was, uh, I was speaking, and I said, what percentage of the population do we need? What percentage to, to get this country back to stand up? And, of course, I'm, you know, everyone says, you know, 50%, 40%. 3.5%. i am always looking for 3 3 and a half. And uh, this one little girl raised her hand, and she says, one person who stands with God. And I'm like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Just think of Soldier Nitsen. Mic drop. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, th- that's where I want our kids to be. You know, for me, dying would be a hell of a lot better if I know, you know, my kids and my grandkids are going to live in a place where it was free, um, non-social, I mean, a republic, not a democracy, a republic, and that, you know, life is good for my kids and grandkids. You know, all the work that we do as as a fam- as family and... Popular man. It's just one phone call, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you know what we need? I know what you've got to leave. Do you got any yeah, co- closing thoughts before you take off? Yeah, I, yeah, I got to slip out. And thanks again for having me. I love talking with you guys. Um, I think it's hard to stand up. It's hard to be a leader. It takes effort. And we're, we're raised in the day and age when it's like, here's some instant gratification for you. Open up your phone and pick your app, right? Or flip through the TV. I mean, it, so it, it's hard to mobilize people because we're just lazy these days. Thank you. And it takes too much work. But I think one of the reasons that we're starting to see this counterculture movement and all of this is people are just so fed up. And it's like, this is getting to a point where if I don't do something, then I'll end up in a place I don't want to be. And they're recognizing that slowly. So the real challenge is, how do we help them recognize that sooner? Because they have to recognize it for themselves. They have to decide internally, okay, I'm going to do something. It's worth the effort to me. Instead of being told, like, this is going to happen to you if you don't do this. They're like, okay, mom. Okay, Dad, I've heard that one before. They need to recognize it for themselves. America the beautiful. Our alabaster cities and our fruited plains have come under attack. This war is not just at our borders and in our cities. This war is a war of darkness being waged on our constitution, our divine rights, our children, on the very idea of truth and God himself. But America will not fall. We the people, these sacred words remind us our rights come from God, that we are all equal, and that government is Don't the wait till the proverbial crap hits these the fan. No, you do it before we ever turn the fan on. Yeah, that's... And that's Prepare, don't react. That's, exactly. that's mm-hmm. part of the story of Tiananmen Square. Right. Mm-hmm. Ironically, who was it that led that whole revolution in China? It was, it was the youth. But they waited till it was too late. 
and in, and as a result, they got massacred and, by I mean, the government. They should have done it before they looked up and the tank was over them. Yeah, that's true. Um, <clears throat> folks, we're going to take a quick little break here, give you some tunes. We're going to switch things around here. Uh, Braden, you're the man. Appreciate it. Thanks. We'll, ha- we'll, we'll have you on again. Thanks, guys. And i got to change gender during the break. So. Okay, he's going he's to switch his pronouns. When we come back, we'll find John will give us his new pronouns. Hang tight. We will be right back. Okay, welcome back to We Are The People Radio. It's been a great show here. Um, Again, you can follow us. We're live on AM 1640. You can follow us on wearethepeople.org. You can also grab some shirts there. Uh, You can also follow us on YouTube. If you do a search for We Are The People Radio or any of the major podcast channels, we're there as well. And then uh, just a quick uh, reminder, next Tuesday... Uh, we've got uh, Sean Whalen is going to be joining us on American Masculinity, and he is the uh, founder and leader of Lions Not Sheep. So that's going to be a uh, – I'm, I'm pumped to talk with him. Uh, we're we're going to share something about him a lot of people don't know. He's actually been very politically involved. He's not just involved culturally but also politically. So we're pretty pumped for that. So join us Tuesday, 4 o'clock, Sean Whalen, Lions Not Sheep. Uh, that's going to be a great conversation. But – Let's get back into it. Um, Tommy, you said you were at a, was it a protest or what was it uh, here recently? Yeah, so it was this past Tuesday, there was a protest, there was a protest over at BYU and it was, it was called the strikeout queer phobia protest and people, it was led by the Black Menaces and Reap like I was talking about earlier and it was tr- the goal of the protest was to get rid of religious exemptions for Title IX, which basically Title IX, for those who don't know, it's, it prevents sex discrimination in colleges and campuses that all receive direct or indirect federal funding. Obama added LGBTQ rights to that. But because, and BYU is actually the catalyst for obtaining those religious exemptions when Title IX first came out. I think Elder Oaks talked about it, or President Oaks talked about it at Good his last him. BYU devotional props, right before the props, protest. Props to Oaks, by the way. And uh, the religious exemptions, if they were to go away and BYU kept all of its policies, people who were students at BYU, if they were queer or not, wouldn't be, re- be able to receive any federal funding because it's indirect as well as direct. So Pell Grants, student loans, anything like that, research grants for professors, 
it wouldn't be able to happen. So we went down. I didn't personally go down, but Luke, the other guy who runs BYU Conservatives, and then Josh, who runs BYU Unique, we did a man-on-the-street video uh, asking these questions to people who were at the protest. How big was the protest? It was around 150 people. That's pretty good size. Yeah, but they blocked off the whole section of a street to do it, and they only filled, they only, they only filled like a quarter of it, which they, they thought that they were – I'm guessing they expected more people because they blocked it off with, like, police cars at each end also. So yeah. I can play a little clip from the yeah, video. Yeah, let's play it. Let's hear it. Yeah. Here. I won't play the whole thing just because it's kind of long, but I'll fast forward to some of the parts. Religious freedom is something that's important, but we also don't think that it should be weaponized. Realistic that is. Um, but also so this is, this is what effect do you think the per- – protests will have policies about queer students and queer expression and queer representation because there's a lot of um, vagueness in the policy and a lot of confusion about what's okay and what's not okay what do you think is a line between religious freedom and queer rights i want people to understand that we still believe in religious freedom we still think it's important but we also don't think that it should be weaponized to discriminate against any one particular group I think the freedom of religion should be the freedom to worship how you want and not the freedom to discriminate. Um, and so I do I do think there is a, a place where the Mormon Church could not change on their doctrine, but BYU becomes a place maybe similar to Duke, where the goal becomes educate the world, where the world where it becomes, you know, live live according to your conscience and things that are a little bit more inclusive and, and less dogmatic. One of the main goals of this protest is to get rid of BYU's religious exemptions and religious exemptions of many institutions across the nation. Do you agree that BYU should lose religious exemptions? Um, I guess I haven't. Um, let's see. Let me think for a second. If it's a law that, that religious discrimination shouldn't happen, then it shouldn't be able to happen, right? So that's as much as I know about it. Um, 100%. Okay. Yeah, people are the most important thing. BYU and also the church needs to get with the get with the program, get with the times, and realize that their policies are just, like, so outdated. Oh, I'm aware of it. Um, you know, um, I don't think I would feel super comfortable giving a lot of commentary on whether I support that or not. BYU's religious exemption does mean that they do not have to have gay relationships on campus. But what people discount when they hear that is that a lot of students on campus do have access to federal funding, and that is possible because of a religious exemption. If that's removed, even queer students would lose that capability. So we ask people, are you comfortable with that? Like, BYU gets a lot of money, so I really don't think that they would reject it. Um... Can we, can we stop this? I don't no, that's, feel a, that's comfortable. Right. So if they were to reject the funds, I think that blame would fall squarely on BYU for not being willing to um, accept the conditions of those funds. We don't want students to lose access to Pell Grants. We don't want professors to lose access to federal funding, things like that. What we want is for BYU to stop discriminating against specific groups of people. Unfortunately, because BYU hasn't changed in any other way, you know, there have been lots of protests, lots of petitions, lots of people speaking up, trying to say things. Um, now we have to hit where it hurts. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality, and that's kind of always been the case when it comes to significant changes in American history and in world history. The, the fault would still fall squarely on BYU because it is their fault that, that queer people would be receiving less money. Um, and we can't, we shouldn't blame the victims in this case. I didn't 
know that was a thing. I'm sorry. Um, I obviously wouldn't want students or professors to lose funding, um, but I also believe that that um, LGBTQ students shouldn't be discriminated against. Does this information make you rethink your position? That's a really good question. Um, my firm belief is that people are the most important thing, and loving people is the most important thing, um, and everything else just falls to the side. So I think whatever happens as a result um, does not matter as much as people and their lives. Thank you for watching. Fascinating. <clears throat> yeah. So what? that was the that was the video, basically, and. Luke and Josh, they had talked about it. Um, there were people that grew more uncomfortable when it was specifically asked about the federal funding because it doesn't, the federal funding doesn't discriminate with who it goes to with students. Like if you're in need of a Pell Grant or federal student loans, the only way that's possible is through the Title IX exemptions. And without that, everyone would lose that. So. What did you think? What stuck out to you there, John? BYU's got a bunch of idiots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's some people that fight for things they don't realize what the end what the end uh, consequences consequences may be. That goes back to cutting your nose off to spite your face. It's interesting how many people talked about uh, the racism and uh, at BYU. A racism. BYU needs to get with the times. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. said the black man. So I would love to hear some examples of uh, racism and, and uh, at BYU. That would have been a great follow-up question to yeah. one of those people. <laughs> well, they would consider things, they would consider things that are racist that I wouldn't necessarily consider racist. There are probably in some instances where I would consider stuff that hap has happened at BYU to be racist. Like not knowing a picture of Martha, of uh, oh, no. Rosa Parks. Yeah, not that. <laughs> they, they would probably consider that racist. They would consider that racist. And you could pick a random, I mean, you could pick a random U.S. president in history that's white. Like Herbert Hoover. Could you identify Herbert Hoover from his picture? The racist. And and does that mean you hate white people because you can't identify Herbert Hoover? Oh, he's just a racist, not because oh, well, I know. Well, yeah. yeah, he's just a racist. <laughs> yeah. He's known to be a racist. No, I, I got that. No, but um, where was that? Yeah, you wouldn't say that you don't know your or you're anti-white or racist towards whites if you don't know who Herbert Hoover is. So right. if you can't identify Rosa Parks or Mar I think Martin Luther's Martin Luther King's wife. wife. Or if you're not, you don't vote for me, yeah, you exactly. ain't black. <laughs> <laughs> that guy? <laughs> so oh, here's so my bad. question. How many, how many conservative pro protests are there at BYU? I can't think of any off the top of my head. Why not? I feel like... I feel like the same thing kind of applies that we were talking about before that because I'm friends with somebody. He's done, he's done an extensive survey on BYU political views and students, not faculty, but just students. And it's like 70% conservative or libertarian or some mix of that. 
or and there's some moderates in there as well. But then there's a much more there's a much smaller portion of the students that are liberal or what I would say like leftist. But just conservatism and conservatives in general aren't as involved or don't want to be as involved in politics. And I think especially at BYU when the attitude is, oh, BYU is conservative because it's with the church. And I think it's also confined to certain classes. Like I don't think at BYU the engineering classes are super woke. But if you go into the humanities, English department, sociology, like the classic culprits who are more liberal, they are. So how do you think it's possible for to get you know there like I said there is a counterculture movement mm-hmm. happening. How do we organize and empower that group? I think you have to show them what's really happening. Because but the counterculture mm-hmm. movement already sees what's happening, right? Yeah. That's why they're part happening of the counterculture. Just happening specifically at BYU mm. there's an article in the Daily Universe. Uh, I just, it was about the protests, and it reference, references resources for LGBTQ students. And I think some of the portions of those resources were in that pamphlet that the administration took out when the universe approved it. <coughs> it uses, one of the resources is a gen, is a, it's a gender, I don't think it's a gender clinic, but it's a therapy clinic, but it offers gender affirming letters of recommendation for surgery. At BYU? And it's, and it's what it's referenced in a Daily Universe article. Is that at BYU? At BYU, yeah. Really? And people don't realize it's happening even though it's right under their nose. I think that's one of the real problems that people think and they have this perception that BYU is so conservative because they have all these protests with students who are more liberal, like the black menaces are asking these questions, but they're definitely selective about what they put up online. But no one's... I mean, we're trying to do it now, but no one is showing the liberal bias that is present at BYU, and it's not just, it's, it's not just, oh, we should increase welfare benefits or something like that, like policy. It's CRT, it's gender theory, and even some, I would say that some professors are fully against the church when it comes to stuff like abortion. You know, I, it's, and I know it may sound to people like, why are you guys picking on BYU? Um, <clears throat> I, mean, I mean, we could talk about UVU, which, which I mean, some of, the, some of the leadership there is, I mean, straight up, <laughs> straight up, you know, UN. Black. Straight up UN. I mean, there's some of their leadership is straight up, you know, the you know, uh, not good, globalists. Uh, and same thing with with you, but I think the the reason I think we're so interested at BYU is is because we expect more. I think yeah. that's that's what shocks us is we we don't expect it at BYU. We expect more from BYU. We expect those are the students who should be standing up and being different from the world. You know, trying to being you know separate from this woke movement, and that's I think that's why. We have a hard time because if the kids at BYU won't stand up, if they won't lead. I, I, think about something. Just, I was just reflecting on some things that Tommy was saying. Tommy, right? Yeah. yeah. That Tommy was just speaking on. When he said, you know, <clears throat> an independent survey was done that 70% of the students were either conservatives and or libertarians. 
But it's always, it's, it's this way in our entire country. It's always the small minority that has the bigger voice. And it's then we people change. that'll stay on the phone call for 15 minutes yeah. to do a survey. And we change. And, you know, we'll, we'll change the whole fabric of our country for a small percentage of the population in this country. See, but that's the beautiful thing is that can also and will also work for the counterculture movement. If we can get that small number of people who say we've been pushed too far to be as vocal and as active at defending freedom as those are about about their progressivism, that can they can also do they can also change the the campus and the country. So, what percentage of people you think right now are participating participating as the counterculture? That's a great question. See, that's the problem. So if you're sitting on your butt, I think we're at the very beginning of it. I think we're at the very beginning of the counterculture movement. You and and I and I will concede that because right now, we are the counterculture right now. Yeah, we are. You and I and what we do and others like us in the state that do and around the country do what we do. Our job is get those that seventy percent that's those of that seventy percent that are not active. Our job is to try to get them active. Your job is to try to get them active. So they're not really the counterculture. We are the counterculture. And what percentage is that of us? Is us. So we got to figure that out because there's a big, and I would dare say there's more people sitting on their asses than there are active right now. Oh, you, I mean, I mean, you know what by, I mean? By far. Right. Not, not, even, not so even close. That's the number we need to focus on. Well, there's, and it's not only just the youngsters as well, it's the parents of those youngsters. Because once you can get the kid, well, it used to be, where, you know, if the family, the matriarchs and the patriarchs of these families would teach their kids conservatism, the kids will always, will most likely follow, depending on what school they go to and blah, 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 blah. But there's a lot of variables. But, but my, concerning, my concern is we need to do a better job of getting the youth involved. We have to do a better job because, look, if we don't do it, we look, we're not going to be able to do it by ourselves because no. the reason why, because there's parents, there's adults just like you and I that are comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's the youth. They the youth, have to make the up youth, the difference. The youth are the change makers. They have to make up the difference. They have to because not all parents are going to get involved. You know, not all parents are going to stoke that fire. So... What got you involved? I think I talked about it earlier. My third gender. <laughs> yeah. My school back home was, and now I've I've seen now it's really liberal, but it was liberal back when I was in high, high school. school. In high school, yeah. Was it? Like, were you were you did your parents raise you to be kind of like a patriot? Uh, yeah, I was in the, I was grew, I grew up in the church. I mean, that, that doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, all these kids at BYU were raised in the church, and most of them are straight up liberals. <laughs> yeah. My dad and my mom both, I mean, my dad was probably more into it than my mom, but he taught about history. He taught me about actual history. Mm-hmm. And then just going to school and then being in the church and seeing these things happen around me especially stuff with political correctness. And I was a, I think 
it was a, I was a senior when Trump got elected, or I was a no, I was a junior, and so that kind of pushed me to be more into everything because just in general the whole atmosphere of politics was growing and so I kind of got pulled in that way and because my school was so liberal I had to refine my arguments such that I actually knew what I was talking about and I wouldn't get made fun of. Do you know what I think we've been thinking talking today Mm -hmm. about BYU? I think I'll I think the the patriot personality is often a rebel soul. It's a soul that doesn't want to be controlled. It's a spirit that values autonomy. A spirit, a soul that says, don't tread on me. And I will tell you, um, you know, I went to school out in Kentucky. It was a Christian school, and and... And I definitely was every article I wrote, no matter what class it was, history, this, it was always very LDS, always like pushing LDS about the Godhead, about this. Then I, then I got transferred, then I transferred to BYU. I was a high school dropout, so I couldn't get into a school like that, but, but this school took me. Then I got, did really well, I transferred to BYU. And then at BYU, it was like, you have to read the Book of Mormon an hour a day, or whatever it was. You have to have your your hair cut this way. You have to have your beard, no beard. You have to do all this stuff. I did all that stuff when I was in Kentucky, in the school I was going to, Lindsay Wilson College. I did all that stuff. Did it. I was married, had two, had a kid. I did all those things. I read my scriptures. Then I came to BYU, and, and it was they tried to force it at me. I couldn't stand BYU. My little rebel soul said, don't tread on me. Because it's like, I'm going to read the scripture because I, I want to, not because you're forcing me to. I'm going to keep my head hair short. Hair, I wanted to grow my hair long for the first time since I was in high school because someone has forced me. I wonder if part of the problem with BYU is it attracts a personality type that, that is more conforming. And I wonder if those conforming personality types are not sometimes the, the, the rebel soul that says, I value my autonomy and don't tread on me. You know, <clears throat> you know, I, I look at these kids that was in the prote- protest a moment ago. <clears throat> I'm thinking, how the hell did they get in? If you're talking about religion and you wanted, you know, any religious freedom as far as a Title I, how did they get into BYU? And, and why do they want to go to BYU? Why did do like, they want to do what they're doing? Did their parents just t- force them in? BYU is cheap. Really cheap compared to most. I thought it was hard to get into BYU. Oh, yeah. Definitely. It's hard to get in. But in terms of So it's a good school price, and it's cheap. That's why people want to go. And they're like, all right, well, there's an honor code, but screw it. Yeah, I think a lot of people do have that attitude about it, that it's a really cheap school. As I think if you're a member, it's like $3,000 a semester. If you're not a member, it's like 6000 something like that. And then if you get a certain GPA, you can half it, like, even again, so that it's around 1200 or so, or 1300 And that's, compared to most schools, that's a cakewalk. And you're not, you don't have to take out student loans most of the time if you, if you work at the same time when you're going to BYU. I mean, some people do, but they pay them off really quickly afterwards. But if you're going to, like, I got into Rutgers. I had a $10,000 scholarship, but it was still $15,000 to go. 
because it was 25000 originally for the tuition. And I, I went to BYU. And I think a lot of people who aren't necessarily going to abide by the principles of the church because BYU is so cheap and maybe they grew up in it and then they apply and they say, okay, I'll just delay whatever I want to do for a few more years, get my degree, then go. It's a good school to know. BYU is a it's good a really school. school. BYU is a good school. Let's not miss that point. Mm-hmm. It is a good school. But they've got some issues right now, and uh, they need to figure it out because their image is getting tarnished by, you know, for example, I hate to say this, but the Duke incident, mm-hmm. you know. We got uh, less than two minutes. John, close us out. Mm-hmm. You know, we um, – I, I want to get back to BYU. We're not here to knock BYU. We want to know, we're knocking some of the activities that are going on that we feel we are hold it to its standards. Yeah, exactly. It's, 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 it's the one right you now. expect the most of. You're the, you're the country's biggest, largest relig, religious school, religion school, and yet you've got problems that I don't see at Liberty University. We don't have, I don't, I mean, I, maybe I missed something, but, you know, I think BYU is a, a target because it's BYU and it's the Mormon faith. And BYU needs to do a better imaging. I would hate, hate to use this word that controlling and protecting their image. Yeah. Stay conservative and quit trying to be part of the woke movement because this is where they're losing true conservatives because people send their kids there because of conservative values. And when their kids have to deal with stuff like what's going on now, well, you're just like any other school. And I don't send my children to any other schools. So, you know, those are my thoughts on what's going on today. Those are That's my final one minute. Uh, if you guys want to f- follow me, my name is John Harvey, as you know, and I have a show called The Modern Conservative Podcast, co-founder of CAFE here in Utah, born and bred our organizations. Uh, look us up on the modernconservativepodcast.com. Uh, read content, listen to interviews. You can pick up Jason's station on my show as well. And uh, I know it's Friday. Yeah, buddy. I'm still on the job for another hour because I have to do my own podcast. Will He's we the man. Because we love it. We love it, and we have to. We have to. We have to. We don't have a choice. Hey, everybody, God bless. God bless America. God bless Utah. We're going to win. <laughs>